We're continuing in our study of the book of Acts. We're going to look at Acts chapter 4, verses 23 to 31 this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't, you can look up on the screen or the scriptures also in your bulletin on page 6 with a place to take notes there on page 7. Friends, listen. This is God's Word. When they were released, that's Peter and John, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David your servant said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had been predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats. And grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. This is God's word. This passage that we're looking at today, it's really, it's the behind the scenes look at how the church should deal with persecution and opposition. Okay, last week we saw Peter and John standing boldly before the authorities who were trying to limit their religious freedom. This passage shows us, again, the behind the scenes look. This shows us what was driving them, what was going on inside Peter and John that enabled them to be able to have the strength they needed to stand up to opposition. Now, this is important for us. It's crucial for us today because we also experience opposition every single day of our lives. Here in San Diego, I think opposition, it takes a lot of forms. Let me give you just two ways that uh, that we experience opposition. First, there's a pressure on us to be silent. Okay, there are things that are said, there are attacks made against the church and against Christians in general um, that really make you feel like your faith is out of place. Okay, they make you feel like what you believe about Jesus does not belong in the conversation. Okay, there's a pressure for us to be silent. Second, there's a seducing attraction to the world's ways. Okay, so there's a pressure for us to be silent, but then there's this alluring attraction, this seduction that exists to adopt the thinking and the ways of the world when they're contrary to Christianity. There's a, there's a series of videos that Dove has created. Dove, you know, the soap? It's not soap. It's, it's one-quarter moisturizing cream, right? It gives you softer, smoother skin in seven days if you use it. I should not have said that. They've got these series of commercials that are on their website, and they are amazing. They've got a, a campaign 
that is about true beauty. Okay, this one video that they have, it's called Evolution, and it's a one-minute video that's played on Fast Forward. Okay, and it shows a very plain woman, okay, incredibly plain woman, getting a makeover for a billboard photo. Okay, and maybe some of you have seen this. It's, it's radical because as you're watching this, as they're doing this makeup, they do her hair, they do her makeup, they do the lighting, they, they have the wind blowing, so her hair is such... And then they take 100 photos, right? And you see all these photos, and they stop on one that they take, right? So you're watching this hours and hours, all these people working on this woman to get her beautiful. And if that's not bad enough, they take this photo, and then all of a sudden, you see the same photo on a computer screen. Photoshop is open. And they take this photo, and they actually make her head go up. Like, they stretch her neck. She's now got a neck that's two inches longer than it was before. And then they shrink her neck. And then they go into her face, and they take her mouth and make it bigger. They take her eyes and make them bigger. And that is the image that ends up on the billboard. (laughs) Now, the message of the video, this is after this is up there, the message comes across the screen. It says, no wonder our perception of beauty is distorted. That woman on the billboard doesn't exist. Like, sometimes we say that facetiously. Oh, there really aren't people like that. But no, no, she really doesn't exist. Her neck is this and this and, like, what, yeah. You know, it's crazy. But this is this pressure to adopt the ways and the thinking of the world, the world's definition of beauty. It's trying. There's this pressure to get us to conform, to conform. And honestly, it's interesting because... The same thing is true even in the gay community. Okay, I was talking with a, a friend of mine who's a neighbor. He's a gay man. And I was telling him about this video, and he was saying, yeah, we go through the same thing. I said, really? Tell me about that. And he said, well, gay beauty, it's pecs and arms. Pectoral muscles, chest muscles, and arms. He says, that's it. That's what it is. And if you don't have those things, you are not seen as attractive if you're a gay man. And it was amazing because we were talking and it's, it's just as bad, right? It's the same issue. The world is trying to get us to buy into their ver- version of beauty. What's interesting is as, as my friend and I were talking, he was saying the problem is like who wants to spend two to three hours a day in a gym to look like that? And I said, yeah, it seems like though all it takes is one or two to then set the standard for everybody else, right? You only have to have a couple folks. And he said the problem though is that usually folks that do put in that work, they don't have a personality. (laughs) Thinking, boy, there's so many parallels here, you know? This is what we deal with. These pressures, they attack us. And they rob us of our joy. Because they tell us, if you're not like this, you will never be happy. And it's a lie, because no matter how much you work, no matter how hard you try, you don't have a real-life version of Photoshop. You can't stretch your neck. You can't make your eye. You can't do it. And these pressures, these pressures, they they cause us to to be dissatisfied and discontent because we want something that we cannot ever, ever have. And so these pressures, they hit us. They attack us. We're around them every day. We don't even realize it, but they're around us all the time. And these pressures really call for leadership. Okay, recognizing these pressures. I want you to experience the reality that these pressures are part of your life so that when I say that
that these pressures call for leadership, you'll realize that God is calling you to stand up and lead. Okay? You need to lead in your own life if in no, if, if in no other place. Right? There's leadership that's called for in your life, but then also as a church, I mean, we're talking about developing spiritual leadership as we watch these leaders act. We need to be this leader in our own life, but we also need leaders to rise up and help us to push back the tide, to push back these things uh, for others. Okay, and the key to leadership, the key to this kind of leadership, what God's answer is to these sorts of oppositions and pressure, it's boldness. Okay, boldness is the answer. Boldness is mentioned in verses 29 and verse 31. And specifically in this text, it's the boldness that speaks against opposition to God in all its forms. So we're talking about boldness to speak against opposition to God in all its forms. And that's what we're going to see today in three points. Okay, so if you want to take notes, here's the outline. We're going to see first what boldness is. Second, where it comes from. And then third, how you get it. So what boldness is, where it comes from, and how you get it. So point one, what boldness is. In this chapter, I'll give you a definition of boldness. Boldness is being courageously truthful when you aren't confident how things will turn out. Okay, that's what boldness is. It's being courageously truthful when you aren't confident how things will turn out. When it comes to talking about what we believe, okay, whether it's telling somebody else about Jesus, whether it's telling somebody else about your own personal faith, whether it's telling somebody else about your church, when it comes to talking about what you believe, there's this gap. Okay? You all know about this gap. You all have sensed the presence of this gap. Um, you, some of you have stood into the gap. Some of you have been afraid of the gap. But there's this gap that exists in all of us, no matter who you are, no matter what you believe, you have this gap. It's the gap of uncertainty. Okay? It's a gap of uncertainty. You know you're in this gap when you feel nervous because you don't know how what you're going to say is going to be received. Okay? You know what I'm talking about? When you stand, when, when, when you step out in a sense, right? When you feel like you're out on a ledge. When you are walking into the gap of uncertainty, it's, it's, it's when you don't know how the person you're talking to is going to receive what you say. You don't know if they're going to be offended. You don't know if they're going to hate you. You don't know if they're going to make fun of you. That's the gap. We all have this gap. Boldness, by definition, is stepping into that gap. That's what boldness is. It's stepping into the gap when you're not confident about how things are going to turn out. So what does it look like? Well, it looks like a lot of ways. Sometimes it looks like standing up. Okay, you're going to stand up, not backing down because Jesus is more important to you than anything else. My favorite example of this in the Bible is in Daniel chapter 3. These three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they... Uh, um, let me just read you the passage from Daniel 3. It says, Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon, that's where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego lived, 
Okay? Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And he said to them, Is it true that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? If you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? The gap, (laughs) right? What would you do? What would you say? How would you respond? This is what they did. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But, if not, so if God doesn't deliver us from your hand, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. That's boldness. That's boldness in the gap of uncertainty. Because they don't know. They know God can deliver them from the fiery furnace, but they don't know if he will. And into that uncertainty, they step and they show boldness. They stand up in the face of persecution. And so boldness, as we're you know, trying to flesh out what this looks like, it means don't fear. It means you can be open about your commitment to Jesus. It means you can stand up for him and not be ashamed. So sometimes it means standing up. Other times it means speaking up. Right? More particularly, we have to realize that you have as much right to share your opinion as anyone else. Okay? And so oftentimes, speaking up means exposing the lie. Right? It means calling it out. It means saying, look, this isn't real, or this isn't going to lead you to happiness, or this is going to take you to a place you don't want to be, this is going to destroy your life, or this really isn't satisfying. Right? It's speaking up. It's saying, don't buy into this message because it can't make you happy. I mean, in a sense, that's what that Dove commercial is. Saying, look, don't try for this. You can't, it will never, ever make you happy. It's exposing the lie. Ephesians 5, 11 to 14 talks about this. It says, when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. Therefore, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. You know, oftentimes, the way that the world comes at us, it's usually not, here's a gun. If you don't deny Jesus, I'm going to shoot you, right? We're not dealing with that at this point in our nation, oftentimes it's this sort of, it's just a subtle pressure, right? That's constant. Sometimes it's not so subtle, but it's this constant barrage, this onslaught um, that comes at us. It's like the trains that go through downtown in the middle of the night, right? When you first move downtown, you know, you never actually are in downtown at two in the morning, at four in the morning, at five, you know, right? And so you think, oh, this is going to be great. Moving into the city, life is good. You move in, then you go to sleep one night, and you, all of a sudden, you know, your whole thing is shaking, your house is shaking, and you, you're like, what's going on? You roll over, you freak out, and 
And then you hear the train whistles, and you think, oh, my goodness, are you serious? And you go back to sleep. And then it happens again before you wake up, and then it happens again. And you think, oh, man, get me out of this place. Like, you know, I'm going to move back to North Park or something like that, right? So that's how it feels, right, when you first start hearing the trains as they go through at night. How long does it take for you to stop hearing them? I mean, maybe for some people it's a month. Maybe you just get earplugs and, and try to deal with it that way. Um, maybe it's six months. I mean, maybe it's a year. But there's a point in time where you just learn to live with it, right? That's how it works for us. That's how it works. If we don't step out and expose the lie, if we don't speak up and say, you know, it's wrong for us to have trains driving through our neighborhood at midnight, at 2 in the morning, at 4 in the morning, right? If you don't complain, nothing ever changes. You just get used to it and you move on. I'm not saying that trains driving through. I'm sure there are lots of people who are being served and the city is a better place because of it. But, uh, but you get the point. I mean, this is why we have to continue to speak up. Okay, now, let me just offer a, a word of caution here. There are people who hear about boldness and recognize it's about speaking up, and their boldness turns to brashness. Okay? Being bold doesn't mean being brash. It doesn't mean being obnoxious. It doesn't mean being irritating. Um, I actually got to ask a friend this week who wasn't a Christian because I was going to talk about this, and I, I was curious to know from a non-Christian perspective, you know, what, if, if I were going to teach this Sunday on being bold, how would he suggest I go about doing that? Like for him, what would be better in terms of being bold? Um, the church could grow in its boldness. And he said, you know what would be great is if the church were more bold in terms of its deeds. I thought, you know, that's, that's really wise. Right? We've talked about that a lot, you know, even in thinking about what love is. Right? Love is knowing, being in relationship, and then serving, doing in service. And we've talked about it, especially when it comes to loving the world around us. We need to do service to them first so that we can build a platform, right? so that we can be in relationships so that we have opportunities to share. And it's interesting because this word boldness that's used here in our text is also used in 1 Timothy 3.13 describing deacons. Okay, deacons are officers of the church who take care of the physical problems that are dealt with uh, by folks in the family of God. Okay, and so it's, it's our care team, you know, is, is sort of our counterpart to what deacons do. And here's what it says about deacons. It's really interesting. It says, um, this is 1 Timothy 3, verse 13. It says, those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great boldness in the faith that's in Christ Jesus. Makes sense, right? Because if, if you're the person in the church who is taking care of the physical needs of people, you're going to have a pretty good reputation, right? That's a pretty good work that you're doing. People from the outside will see that. People from the inside will see that and think you're a pretty wonderful person. Right? So if you do the, the job of a deacon well, you have a good standing for yourself, but also you get great boldness in the faith that's in Christ Jesus. That passage is saying the same thing that this non-Christian said to me this week. Right? 
that if you're bold in your deeds, you will have an opportunity to be bold about your faith. Okay? One of the ways to cultivate boldness is to serve people because then you actually have a reputation. Your character is demonstrated in what you do for other people, and that gives you the ability to be bold about your faith. People will listen to you, will not turn you off if you have a life of bold deeds. Okay? And so again, so that, that's kind of related to speaking up, that I think it's our bold deeds that keep us from being brash in lots of ways. Okay, so we got standing up, we've got stepping up. And I guess I just want to talk more about sometimes it's stepping out. Okay, it's entering into this gap. Entering into this gap. And I, I just, I got to share, I've spent years of my life, like really the last, I don't know, five or six years, I've been making a concerted effort to try to learn how to share my, uh, how to share my faith in a way that is responsive to other people. Okay, as I get to know people, as I really honestly truly care about them, as I learn what's going on in their lives, um, I look for opportunities for them when, I, I guess I've, I've wanted to get really, really good at giving them every opportunity to bring up the faith so that when they bring it up, I'll be able to share my faith with them. Okay? And I've worked really hard at trying to understand this, how to ask people things that might give me a better insight into what they already believe, into how they view God, into what they're excited about in their life, and how that might relate in some way to God, so that I'd be ready if they ever ask me a question about Jesus. Okay? And I have I've talked about this, I've 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 put this into great practice and I've seen some interesting things happen. What I just described, trying to develop this <clears throat> method of responding well to people, that's not boldness. <clears throat> okay? That is not boldness. That's actually the opposite of boldness. Okay? And this hit me right between the eyes this week as I was studying this. I'm not saying that it's not good to develop that responsive ability so when people ask, you know how to answer. But God calls us to more than that. God is calling us to be bold. Because what I was doing was this gap of uncertainty, I had, I've been working on how do I make it so that when they step into the gap, I know how to answer. But I haven't been willing to actually step into that gap myself. So again, I'm trying to give you a picture of what this means. Now, when you do this, like sometimes it just means telling, it doesn't, uh, um, stepping into the gap sometimes means just, it can be telling people about Jesus, what he did, what he offers. Oftentimes, one of the safest ways to go about it is to, is to, is to see it as you telling people what Jesus has done for you. Just being honest. You know what? I was this way, Jesus has come into my life, and he's made this difference. You know, it could be as simple as that. If you read John chapter 9, you have this great example of someone who didn't know anything, hardly anything about Jesus, other than the fact that Jesus healed him from his blindness. And the religious leaders come upon this guy, and they put the pressure on him, and the stakes are high, and the pressure mounts, and, and his answer is, well, look, let me just, you know, you're arguing and bumbling about Jesus, let me just say one thing. I was blind, and now I see. 
want to encourage you to step into that gap of uncertainty if all you bring into that is this is the difference Jesus has made in my life and get specific with people just to offer them what God is doing in you. Doesn't mean you have to push it on them. Doesn't mean you have to get brash. But that's what boldness is. It's stepping into that gap. It's having the tough conversation. It's overcoming the fear. And it's trusting God in the uncertainty. Okay? It's trusting that God will take care of the uncertainty and stepping into that gap. And I would say, if you are not on an ongoing basis, periodically feeling that nervousness that comes with being in the gap, you want to ask yourself, am I being bold? Is this a part of my character yet? Where do you think God wants you to grow in this area of boldness? You think about that for a second. Maybe write some things down. Are there relationships where God is asking you to step into the gap? Maybe at work? Ways that God is asking you to step into the gap? All right, well, so that's what boldness is. Let's talk about where it comes from, right? If you don't have this, where do you get it? Our second point, where it comes from. Short answer, boldness comes from God. Okay, it comes from God. We see this in the prayer that they offer. Look at verse 24. They join together, they pray, and they say, Sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord. It's the word despot. I mean, it comes from God. It's, it's who God is. Right? God is in control. They go on. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. So this is the one who is all-powerful. Right? He's the one who created everything. Whose opinion matters more? I mean, it's interesting, even just thinking about that, saying Sovereign Lord in a prayer, affirming who God is, provides you with some boldness. Right? To think about who God is, remembering this, makes you bold. That God is in control, and that he's in control of the uncertainty of the gap. So boldness comes from God, who he is. Boldness also comes from God's word. I mean, God's not silent. That's what's neat. Verse 25, God speaks to us. He said, by the Holy Spirit, through David, the king. I mean, he knows... We can know how God thinks. We can know how God feels about our life situations. And what's interesting is that God's word, we said this last week, God's word explains our reality. Okay? The apostles, they quoted Psalm 2 in verse 25 and 26. Why the Gentiles rage, the people's plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. That's a quote from Psalm 2. What's happening here is that The disciples, they are seeing that God's word is explaining their reality. Okay? Their life is being explained by God's word. This isn't just a threat that they've had to face against their religious freedom. That's what they're they're realizing. God's word shows them that what they're doing, this is part of the ongoing struggle between God's people and those who oppose God. You catch that? 
This is part of the ongoing struggle. The Jews and the Romans are now God's enemies because they are rejecting God and they're opposing Jesus and his followers. And so as they go to prayer, they realize, God, we're suffering. People are raging against us. The religious leaders are fighting. Wait a second. There's a psalm that talks about this, right? And so they rehearse the psalm and all of a sudden, everything changes. It's not just two people being told, if you don't shut up, we're going to hurt you. They now realize they're part of this cosmic battle. They're part of this ongoing struggle between the people who love God and the people who don't. That gives them boldness because they realize, wait a minute, I'm part of something bigger. And the same thing's true for us. The opposition that we face, the pressure to be silent, the pressure to be like the world, this is our own particular battle in the ongoing struggle. Okay, this is your battle. This is what you face. And I want you to see that you're connected to this, that God and his kingdom are waging war in some ways with the kingdoms that are opposed to him. God is trying to speak truth and bring light to the lies that exist in the world, to the ways of the world. He's not only exposing the lie, but he's saying, look, this doesn't lead to happiness. You're not going to be happy outside of me. And when we have, I mean, so God's word gives our lives a clarity. It helps us see life much clearer and gives us a sense of direction. Okay, and that clarity gives us boldness and makes us willing to stand in the gap. Because now I know I'm fighting part of God's battle here. God is calling me to do battle for him. Our final piece on this um, with, regard to, uh, with regard to where boldness comes from, it comes from God's work in the world. We recognize that it's not just us, but that God also is at work. And the work that we're doing, we're not, it's not that God commissions us, says, go do this, but God is standing with us. And he is working right alongside us. Look at verse 28. Verse 28. Well, verse 27. In this city, they were gathered together against you and your holy servant Jesus. Jump to verse 28. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. What is this saying? Even the evil that God allows in the world, he uses for the good of his people. Okay? Every ounce of evil and every ounce of our suffering, God will use for our good. He will use it for our good. He will make us draw closer to him. He will use it to save other people, to reach out and touch other people that's what he did with jesus it's what he does with these apostles it's what he continues to do in the book of acts it's what he continues to do in our church we see people who are being touched because folks are suffering and they're continuing to praise god and show that there is power available from god to overcome even our suffering and our evil and that truth that god is at work that God will work everything together for good for those who love him. That makes us bold, and it makes us willing to endure whatever evil may come when we step into the gap. It 
So boldness, this boldness comes from God. Our last point, how do we get it? How do we get boldness? One word answer, we pray. If you want boldness, pray. That's what they did. They prayed to the Lord. And it's amazing, the, the, the form of their prayer, right? It starts with, God, this is who you are. It's, it continues with, God, this is what you're doing. And then they finally get to the petition, right? It's like adoration. This is who you are, God. And it's based on who you are that, verse 29, they ask, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. With all boldness. If you want to grow in this area of boldness, you ask. That's what I've been doing. (laughs) Ever since I started studying this, I realized I need to add that to my prayers. God, not just open up doors of opportunity so I can share with people about Jesus, but because for me, that meant, God, get them to ask me about Jesus. Now I'm saying, Lord, help me to be bold enough to do my part to create some of those opportunities. Help me to be bold so that I can go into that gap of uncertainty and speak. Prayer is an amazing gift from God. Even before they pray, there's something amazing that the text tells us happens. Prayer brings community together. Okay, look at verse 23. I'm sorry, no, no, no. Uh, No, no, look at verse 24. Well, so Peter and John come back. They went to their friends. They reported what happened. And when they heard it, the text says they lifted their voices together to God and they prayed. This is one of the places where the Greek is helpful to know. In Greek, it says, when they heard it, they lifted their voice together. It's really interesting. They lifted their voice. Prayer is an opportunity to bring community together. When you pray with other people, you are actually joining your hearts together so that you speak to God with one voice. That's amazing. Prayer is an opportunity not for us just to love Christ, but it's a chance for us to love the church, to love the family of God as we unite ourselves together. We could say a lot more about that, but, but there it is. So this prayer, uh, it brings community together, and the prayer brings boldness. It's what they asked for. And it's interesting. They didn't say, Lord, stop the opposition. They didn't say, kill the religious leaders that are opposing us. They didn't say any of that. They just said, God, give us boldness. Help us not to back down. And you think about who's praying, right? These are the people that just stood up and boldly spoke out for Jesus, right? That's encouraging to me because, as we say at Harbor, we leak. You know, we need to continue to pray this prayer because. You know, whereas we might feel that boldness to step into the gap one day, you know, the next day or the next situation comes, and we just need to keep praying, God, grant to us who long to serve you boldness so that we all can speak. And we do it not just once, but we do it again and again and again. 
And so how do you do this? I mean, so this means you spend time with Jesus in prayer. Okay, you remember from last week, verse 13, they were astonished. The religious leaders were astonished at Peter and John because they were uneducated common men, but they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That was it. As you spend time with Jesus, as you pray to him, as you spend time just connecting with him, Jesus, I love you. You are the sovereign Lord. You are the one who made all things. You are the one who was crucified, died, buried, and rose from the dead. That's you. That's who you are. Jesus, fill me with your boldness. Right? We get more boldness when we pray, when we spend time in the word. Right? We get this same clarity. Hey, wait a second. What I'm going through in my life is not new to me. Right? It's not new to the world. This is the same thing. I'm part of something bigger. When you pray, it's like you're downloading heaven to earth. Like that's kind of what it is. There's all this stuff up in heaven, all these blessings that exist up there. And when you pray, when you connect to Jesus, what happens is, verse 31, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit brings heaven. The Spirit will bring boldness. Amazing things happen as you bring, take those gaps as you think about them. Make a list of what the gaps are with the people that you know, the work situations that you know, whatever the situation is where you have the sense of this gap. In your prayer time, go into that gap. Just, just stand in the gap in your prayer time all by yourself or with a friend, right? And just pray, Lord, I am feeling like I'm in this gap. And this is a gap between me and my neighbor, for instance, I need your boldness here. I need your boldness so that I might speak about you in a way that is loving, that's kind, so that this person would understand and be blessed by my faith. When you do that, I mean, at least for me, when I do that, I just have this image of God walking in and standing in the gap with me. And I think, man, he's strong. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of silly, but he's strong, he's powerful. He's, he's for me. He's on my side. You know, he wants to love this person. He wants them to understand, you know, do that. Pray into the gap. Pray your way into the gap first. And then when you stand in the gap, you'll feel his excitement, his encouragement. Prayer brings the presence of God into our, into our uncertainty. And there's something specific about Jesus okay, that makes us bold. Um, it's true that he was bold, right? We see him being bold in lots of ways. And when you, when you believe in him, he fills you with his boldness, okay? And that's part of where it comes from. But there's something more. Because again, as we've said over and over and over again, boldness means entering into that gap of uncertainty, right? It's uncertainty because we don't know exactly what's going to happen to us from the opposition. Well, It was different for Jesus, okay? Because for Jesus, there was a gap. But there was no uncertainty about the gap for Jesus. From the day he was born and even before then, Jesus' gap, he knew about this gap and it was worse because Jesus knew exactly what that gap meant. For us, we don't know. Is God going to deliver us? Is it going to go well? Is it not? Are we going to, be, are we going to suffer persecution? Are we going to suffer opposition? We don't know. 
Because sometimes it goes well, sometimes it doesn't go well. But for Jesus, he knew exactly what was going to happen to him. It had been predestined. God sent him to fill the gap that exists between us and God. He sent Jesus to fill the gap that exists between earth and heaven, between us as sinners and a holy God who has to punish sin. He knew exactly what it meant for him. And he was willing, knowing full well what it meant, he was willing to stand into that gap, to bridge the gap. And he was willing to do it for you. For you. So every time you fail to stand in that gap, every time you have failed to be bold, Jesus has stood in a greater gap so that you might be forgiven, so that you might be cleansed. And when you trust in him, he then comes to fill you with his boldness. Are you trusting in him today? Let's pray. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Thank you. Jesus, I feel like we're in holy ground to think about the gap that you had to stand in. That you be willing, knowing full well what it meant, and yet you said yes to it over and over and over and over again. So many opportunities for you to turn back, and yet you didn't because you wanted to know us. You wanted to make a way back for us so that we might find forgiveness. Jesus, there are people here who haven't yet put their faith in you. Help them to see that the gap between them and you, you have stepped into. And help them to reach out to you. Help them to trust you by putting their faith in you. And Jesus, for those of us who trust you, would you help us to just be awed by what you've done for us? Would you help us to be moved, to be compelled by your love that is seen in no greater way than this, that you laid down your life for us? Fill us with your love and your boldness so that we might share your love boldly with the people around us. Help us, lead us into the gap this week, we pray in your name. Amen.